2: Hey guys, quick programming note, what you're about to hear is part one of the podcast edition of our Saturday morning locker room live stream. We had so many people wanting to come up and give their takes on the Knicks Hawks series, specifically the crushing loss in Game 3 in Atlanta, that rather than cut it off at an hour, we went as long as we possibly could and are splitting this podcast into two. Thanks again to everybody that joined us on Saturday. If you would like to join us next Saturday, pay attention to the Knicks Film School's Twitter account that's at School S-K-O-O-L. And we usually send out a tweet every Friday night letting you know what time we go live on Saturday morning. The part you're about to hear is part one. Part two should be available on your feed as well in a matter of moments. Without further ado, here is part one of our Saturday morning locker room live stream. This
3: is a locker room production.
2: Good morning. Wow, no, it's noon. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope uh, you're all in somewhat good spirits. I'm just waiting for John to get here. Oh, Jeremy Cohen, actually. Jeremy, welcome to a Saturday edition of your appearance on the Nick's Close School Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing a little bit better,
4: I suppose. Okay. Uh, the nice thing about the rain is that no one can see me cry. But oh, <laughs> that was so other funny. Than that. You're a writer. <laughs> here comes John. Um, Hold on. How-, how are you, Andrew? I'm honestly terrible,
2: to be honest. Um, a little personal life shit um i woke up not to just get into the logistics of uh my living situation but um the place where i'm staying the basement flooded so um i've been up since like 4 a.m grabbing every towel i could because as you noted it's still raining (laughs) so um we've gotten it controlled at a certain point and so i'm just hoping that you know that stops and we can not, I can go back to just worrying about how to stop Trey young and not whether or not anything will be dry in my place tonight. So anyway, people came here to talk about the Knicks. Here's John Macri.
5: Hey there. Hey there. Hello. Um, sorry I was late. I uh, had to throw some coffee in the microwave. I have spent the last, uh, Two hours cleaning my house. So this is a nice respite from that. You're welcome. Um, I, I really do. I appreciate it. I need um, I it w- actually looking at what a shit show my house is talking about the Knicks is, is perhaps even more uh, a little bit more encouraging. So um, this is really, this is great. Although my house did not flood. So I, I'm sorry uh, for your uh, situation.
6: Andrew. I'm good.
2: I'm all right. It's cool. I, this is fine. Everything is fine.
5: <laughs> you know what? I mean, look, I'll, I'm sure we'll get into it with some of the questions and we'll start getting people up here. Um, everything is not fine. I mean, uh, as uh, Chris Kirshner, I, I mispronouncing his last name, the guy who writes for the athletic uh, Covering the Hawks just put out a piece which basically says we are witnessing a star turn in real time with with Trey Young. That's that's a real thing that uh, that's happening, and there's nothing that uh, the Knicks could do about it. And um, they're except put him into get him into foul trouble, which I think is probably. To me, that's the biggest point of contention that I think is valid. Um, my stance is more they're not executing at the level of uh, where it needs to be to make that happen slash don't really have the personnel to um, do that as well as it could be done at the same, at the same time, I think they could be doing more than they're doing, which is to say they're doing nothing. Um, That's my two cents. But, but that being said, I'll go back to what I said after the game last night, which is that, look, this series has gone about as bad as it could have gone for the Knicks. And I really do believe it has gone as good as it, it, possibly really could have for for the Hawks I mean I I don't know that I've fully wrapped my mind around 59 percent from three um but that is a thing that happened and the team that did it scored 105 points that those two things I can't say in the same sentence and then be like the series is over because uh, they're clearly doing some stuff right it's just none of it's coming on offense unless your name is Derek Rose so that's my opening spiel as I take help. a sip of my coffee.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, to me the biggest thing as well was that the Knicks took 30 free throws uh, last night, and yeah. the Hawks took eight, and yet it's still, like, I mean, I think it's kind of disingenuous to look at it as an 11-point win because it certainly didn't feel like that for a vast majority of the game. The second half just felt sluggish and um, in the sense of, like, wow, that was just a huge lead that is now blossomed for Atlanta. Whereas in game two, it was like, Oh, we can come back from this. It's totally fine. And I, you know, that's being you know, at home and, and everything with that. But, uh, I think there was certainly more physicality. I think that Atlanta obviously embraced being at home. Um, and they yep. were fine giving up those shots because the Knicks just couldn't hit, um, period. So, yeah, I mean, again, the rebounding seems to be going pretty nicely. Uh, if you had told me that the Knicks would be out rebounding the Hawks, uh, especially in the offensive glass, I would have been surprised, and I probably also would have thought that the Knicks would be winning by now. But uh, alas, that is not the case. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where we're at, isn't it, John? No,
5: <laughs> yeah, it is. Before we get to our first first uh, caller, literally twenty seconds on the foul thing. Yes, they shot a ton of free throws, and they made a ton of free throws last night. Um, but I I do think that a lot of those were the fact that Nerland's and Noel went to the line twelve times. I think that was clearly part of the strategy for the Hawks. Is like we're going to leave Noel. Um, we're going to count on him either missing. If we have to foul, we have to foul. We don't think you know th- they're going to beat us that way. So I do I do think that there was some strategy involved there, and it was not merely like oh you know, we didn't take advantage of like the the Hawks going crazy with the fouls. I think it's, I think there's probably a gray area in between where that exists. That said, I agree with you. um, That has to be factored in when you're talking about the game. And I agree with you. It did not feel like an 11 point loss, but um, let's, uh, Andrew, you want to get some callers? Andrew going once. Andrew's (laughs) And you're going Andrews going
2: twice. Andrews' mic is now unmuted. There you, go. Um, there you go. I don't think I have to go through the whole spiel, but if you have background noise, mute your mic. Um, we have we, we are loaded with takes and people that want to come up here, so uh, we're going to try and do five six minutes in and out. We'll let you get as much of a take as you can up here. We want to try and get to everybody and not be here until game four. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's do this, guys. First up. Uh, I have butchered this guy's name every week, and he's here every week. I <laughs> apologize. Apologize, Casim. Casim, right? I nailed it,
7: right? Uh, no, you didn't nail it. It's all right. Ah, uh,
2: okay. What is it? Right. I will try hey to guys, how's everyone week.
7: doing? I know how everyone's doing. I, you don't need to answer that question. Uh, first yes. off, um, again, it bears repeating, even though we've all said it. I've said it. But love everything that you guys do, Andrew and John. John. Even as an atheist, I am blessed to have you and your content <laughs> in my life, making me feel better, breaking down everything. I know this makes you uncomfortable, but I don't it's care. Not. You're going to take this love, and you're going to appreciate it, and you're not going to say anything about it. All right. Uh, thank, I'll, I'll say thank you. That's it. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, that being out of the way, I have to ask a playoffs-related question, and then I'll give you dealer's choice if there's time on a off-season or a fun All right. Playoffs-related question. Um, Heard on a bunch of podcasts uh, about how certain coaches, uh, they they run their systems and they're not the way the Celtics or the Nets or the Mavericks, Clippers, or a lot of teams are in the playoffs looking for – they're not mismatch hunting. Um, Those coaches, the ones I heard of in recent podcasts being – Bud being Spolstra. I mean, Spolstra is a perfect example right now because they could be hunting Bryn Forbes the second he's on the floor, for every second he's on the floor, but they're not. Yep, um, yep. Tibbs is also one of these coaches. Uh, and and you pointed out in your newsletter this morning in one of the breakdowns of the possessions that in one of the possessions, Reggie Bullock smartly put the ball on the floor uh, and, and trayon picked up the foul, which was on a three. But... I keep seeing all these possessions with Trey on Reggie, and I'm just thinking, just drive. I don't care that you're not a driver, but just it's Trey Young. You'll get the foul. Uh, Something good will happen. So, I, how much how much am I overthinking this?
5: I, I, I mean, my quick response is I don't think you're overthinking it, but it, my 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 gut response is also. I don't think you can ask a guy to start doing something. Like think about—I—I I literally am going back in my mind through the season, even going back to last season. I don't know that I could think of a time where Reggie Bullock put the ball on the floor towards the on a drive to the rim where there was a man in front of him. I mean, obviously he's had no, no, cuts, no. and he's. I mean, this is a point of who
7: should miss? Should we is mismatch hunting? A, how big of an X-factor is it for us in this where well, we I, have somebody on the other end of the floor that's, that's going to eat up? That's not going to play Bryn Forbes minutes. That's going to play Trey Young minutes, and we could be taking advantage of it every single position, but we don't.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Reggie's been so instrumental to everything they're doing at both ends, so it's not like, oh, we'll take Reggie off the floor and put someone in who could do this, but I think more to the point, and this is the part that I feel bad, when you praise me, because I don't have the mind of a basketball coach, and I'm the first person to admit it. But what I will say is that I, it, this cannot be as simple as well. Reggie is not can't do this against Trey Young. Thereby, we cannot mismatch Hunt against Trey Young. Exactly, there exactly. To, there has to be the point else. of
7: mismatch hunting is whoever has the ball finds a way to get to switch uh, their man so that they're on yeah, Trey Young now. It,
5: and again, I think the shooting woes have uh, are part of the reason this is this is an issue. Exactly. But at the same, but at the same time, we saw Reggie. Uh, it's a, a play I've now referenced a few times. But again, we only saw it the goddamn one time in game two, which exactly is when Reggie curled curled around the I think it was Randall screen and walked into I forget if it was an open three or a long two. But like that's a thing. That's something. You know, use that as a baseline. But but the, the last thing I'll say, and then I w- I'm curious what Jeremy thinks is. Um, are the Knicks at the point yet, and maybe they are after that showing, I mean, who knows, where they want to throw everything out the window and be like, we're kind of, not not abandon our game plan, but mm-hmm. we are going to to bend to the point where we are going to do something that we're not necessarily comfortable doing when it's a series that there's five points between the teams. That's what I don't know what is the right answer to. I certainly don't know what their answer to it is at this point. Um, but yeah, J- Jeremy, you have you have any any thoughts on this?
4: Well, I mean, you could make an argument, right, that the Knicks effectively started doing that by finally replacing Elf in the starting lineup and having sure. Rose in there. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, that's the thing. I don't know how adventurous Tibbs and the rest of the Knicks coaching staff feels in terms yeah. of um going against what Atlanta is doing, uh, you know, I mean, they've talked a lot about continuity and if it took this long as well to kind of try to re-engineer the offense. Like I, I've, I, I, know John, we've also been asked this before in terms of playing Obie and Randall together, like a four or five, but like, that's the sort of thing where I don't see the Knicks necessarily doing something they haven't done before. Uh, In the sense of like, you know, they seem to be balanced where they've got a four in Randall and then they bring in Obi to play the four and they've got a rim runner at the five. So, you know, I mean, when it comes to Reggie, I, a lot of it seems to be just being creatures of habit where what's gotten them here has been successful. And the ideology of, well, if we change too much, then we stray too far away from the identity of what this team is. um, And then, you know, players just aren't as comfortable, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of – I'd like to see new things. Of course, I think we all would, especially as hmm. as it works like this. But, again, if the Knicks play their game, the, the biggest thing here um, is that Randall's just coming up short. RJ is not producing the level that he would. Uh, I mean, offensively speaking, if those pieces are even a little bit better, then we could be looking at a, a Knicks series lead. Instead, it's not the case. Yep.
5: Yeah, right. so. what, what was the uh, – do we have time for the Fun question.
7: Sure, sure. I'll give you the fun question. Uh, Assuming that, you know, everything works out just fine and, you know, Tibbs and RJ and Randall figure out, stop playing with their food and figure out how to roll over these guys. um, And we go up against uh, the Sixers next. Um, So what should be, you know, uh, F. Trey Young. I'm going to spare you guys the F-bombs. I don't know how much that matters on putting this on a podcast, but (laughs) F. Trey Young was great. And I think the second one, if I'm not mistaken, was Trey is ugly. Was that right? Trey's that Bal- Trey's, balding. Trey's balding. Trey's balding. Oh my god! I thought it was Trey's balding. I'm thinking that's too clever. Is that how did how did ten thousand people randomly come up with something this clever? But Trey's balding is amazing. So I was thinking, what how, what would be the really clever uh, trolling chant for against the Sixers?
5: Uh, I think it's going to have to do with something um... – oh, I keep forgetting. Because yeah, my the... thought was Ben what? can't shoot. Oh, well, that's a fun one. Yeah, um, but right. I. I uh, what's the fast food that in um, uh, Tanking to the Top, uh, Joel Embiid used to eat a lot of, was it? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was... yeah. My
4: first thought when he Tem- it was, was going to be Shirley Temple chant. Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. That would have worked, but <laughs> –
5: all right, uh, Kasim, thanks so thanks, much man. For, for coming up, man. This was this was fun. This put me in a good mood to start. Uh, all right, Andrew, thanks, what, we, what do we got up next? Next up,
2: hold on. You said Chick-fil-A and got hungry. Hold on a second.
5: Now I want Chick-fil-A.
2: Yeah, seriously. Uh, Jason Meredith, welcome to the stage, sir. What's going on, Jason? Hi, guys.
6: Hi, uh, I think this is the first time I've chatted with Jeremy, and I chat with Jeremy a lot on Twitter. I'm Jason Meredith. Hey, Jason. How's it going, man? Good, good. Um, I'm going to defend Tibbs here. I think everyone is – I think people confuse the word adjustments with things that work, meaning that if he makes an adjustment that doesn't work, it doesn't count as an adjustment. Yeah. I think he made a ton of adjustments in this last game, and they just didn't work. We saw Randall as a pick-and-roll ball handler a lot last game, and we never saw that during the regular season. Yep. And I think it didn't work because he's not used to doing it. And a lot of times he kind of did the Alfred Payton move of just running right at the center. And then Todd Gibson, the screener, would just be left behind him, not doing anything. Um, We also saw Randall in the pick and roll a lot. And it kind of worked, kind of didn't work. Um, I think the big issue is the way Atlanta's defending us and we haven't found a solution. And I think the reason is because they're funneling everyone into Clint Capella, which is why even if Trey Young is guarding you, He's just gonna play high up on you, and hey, get by me, but you gotta run into Clint Capella.
5: And can I just say real, real quick, I, I thank you for making that last point because it, it goes back to something I wrote today, which is that the, the way to um target a small guard the full the foolproof way to target a small guard is with shooting. Because exactly. obviously, bring, exactly. if, because mm-hmm. if you if you can't bring him into the paint because there's someone waiting in the paint, well then the only other option is to shoot it from deep. And if you exactly. got a team where nobody's confident taking the three, especially the types of three above the break threes, um, which fucking nobody's hitting right now, exactly. Then exactly. yeah. And uh, also just I I, just, I don't have anything to add. I think it's a great point that you made on on the adjustments and and um, using Randall in a different way. And I just want to shout out uh, my good friend Tom Piccolo. Uh, for he quote tweeted um, my uh, uh, tweet from this morning with a clip of Randall um, being used as a pick and roll ball handler, and there was a moment where he could have swung it to the weak side um, because I think it was Alec Burks sprung yep. uh, himself off a Noel back
6: screen, and Randall yep. just didn't he didn't catch it. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's not, not to- an elite playmaker. He's a good playmaker, but he's not elite. Well, he's not LeBron James, you know. I mean, he's, he's not like, exactly. There's there's only like ten players that are eight to five players that are. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's why that's why like Trey Young is so good. It's not just because he can shoot. It's because he makes that pass the right pass right away.
5: Oh, he's and let me just be clear when I when I referenced the article before, I agree. We are seeing a star turn. I put putting aside the defensive issues. What this kid is doing is, uh, I, I mean. I, I hope this doesn't piss anybody off by me saying this. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, I don't know
6: what good. else to say. He's good. He's real good. Um, the other thing I was going to say about, um, so with the when I was finishing the point about the way Atlanta's playing defense, they're putting everyone into Clint Capella, and Clint Capella's kind of guarding both men. He's guarding the center and Taj or Noel and Randall. And a lot of times what Randall's doing, what's driving me crazy is that Randall's hesitating and that half second where he hesitates, mm-hmm. the whole defense takes a step back. And they notice, okay, he hesitated. I can get back to my man. And that second where Todd Gibson's open, he's not really open anymore because it's not it's not Mitch where you can just throw the ball up and he's just going to dunk it. So I think that's the reason why you're not seeing as much switch hunting because, even, like, for instance, when Burks – there was a play where Burks had the switch and he took a fadeaway and everyone's like, why did he take that fadeaway? It's because yes, he was yes. going to drive, and he saw Capella coming, and he's not a great playmaker either. Yeah, and the, the, the frustrating, frustrating and problem. thank
5: you for that. the frustrating thing yeah. is, um, it with Burks is no, he's not a playmaker, but we have seen him make plays at times.
6: No, no, I'm not saying he's not team. a playmaker. I said he's not a great <laughs> playmaker, and and the yeah, way he calls the play he, defense, you have to be a really good playmaker because you have to make that pass right away. If not, the window's closed.
5: Yeah, yeah, and he's inconsistent. I mean, listen, let us uh, I, I think I said this on a pod recently. Yeah. If if Alec Burks was a more consistent playmaker, guess what? He wouldn't have been available for one year, $6 million with his, <laughs> with, with, with his numbers and his skill set. That's,
6: yeah, you know. Just, right, I'll end here. It's, I think it's just the issue of execution more than anything else. I think Tibbs has tried a lot of different things, but it's it's tough. I mean, like, I don't think McMillan's like this amazing offensive coach. I think he's – he has Trey Young, so when he when he does a Spain pick and roll, the same Spain pick and roll the Knicks do, it works a lot more. Yeah, the,
5: the, the only thing I'll say on on McMillan is I think he gave these guys a very nice, easy, repeatable defensive scheme to engage in um, every time down the floor, and uh, it doesn't require anybody to overthink. Obviously, there are breakdowns and things that we've seen. Yeah,
6: yeah Macri, you know whose defensive scheme he gave him, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's it's Tim's defensive scheme. I mean, if we had Mitch, we'd be playing the same defense.
5: Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. G- good, good, right.
6: yeah, that's all. Thanks. It was good talking to you guys.
5: Thanks, Thanks Jason. Uh, all right. Ain't that a bitch? Jesus Christ,
6: yeah. Oh, god,
5: god, so frustrating.
2: <sighs>
5: <sighs> See, we're doing good, doing good here. <laughs> so
7: fight. <far>, so good. <laughs> Breathe.
5: Uh,
2: Next up a a staple here, both in the the chats for the post games and here on the Saturday morning locker rooms, Mr. Jonas clout. Welcome to the. Hey, how are you guys? How's it sound? How's what sound? How do we sound like how you asked how we're doing? How do we sound? You sound (laughs)
8: like me frustrated. You
6: know,
2: (laughs) I mean, but look,
8: let's try and keep our heads up. I think we should all be confident in this team. we They've given us every reason to be confident. So, you know, it's one game. Hopefully, they can
4: turn it around.
5: Uh, Jeremy, you have a, you're the you're the downer here. Do you have a? What are your thoughts there?
4: I'm the downer. I don't know if I'm the downer. I, look, well, I, mean,
5: sound, I, I don't know,
4: man. You it a little bit, a little bit. I'm, I mean, it's hard not to be somewhat down after last game. But the reality is that you know, game three is in the past, right? You can't go back. Only have to move forward. I look at game one and how close that was and how, you know, we could play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game as long as we want. But the reality is that – and, John, you and I said this on the last uh, podcast where we both feel that the Knicks can win one of these games. If it's not going to be game three, then it becomes game four. So, um, you know, early start. Hopefully, uh, Knicks stay away from Magic City and uh, we'll be good.
5: Um, wait a minute. Can I uh... – Really, really very quickly. Do we have time for one real quick? Hold on. Here we go. Being retired and out of the game. Uh, I couldn't you even never think Never had about a problem of seeing uh, your
2: colleagues use drugs. Is it, Pardon me? Never had a problem of seeing your colleagues use drugs.
5: Wait, coming. So on. Is that what you mean? I don't know what you mean by you never had that problem.
0: Like I said earlier,
5: I'm
6: not going to go into the past and
5: talk about We're done with the past. You got that? You went a long
2: way to that. Jeez, oh, that was quite the segue, John.
6: <laughs>
5: I just, I had that thought and I went with it. What do you want? <laughs> oh my God. I'm uh, on the. Was there a, another uh, question? I think, is that it?
8: <laughs> no, I mean, I guess to that point, um, before I get to what I want to say, you know, the loss hurt last night. It was really frustrating to watch. But I think what upset me more was going on to social media and Twitter and the chat last night after the game and seeing, you know, not the trolls, but, like, real Knicks fans just abuse the hell out of the team and just give up all their hope. And I just want to say something to those people. Like, this team has given us every reason to believe and have faith throughout the season. Don't give up on them now. They need yep. us now more than ever. We yep. need them now more than ever. And yep. if anything, time they've been faced with a question or an issue, they've overcome that question and issue. Um, and I think Yogi Berra said it, but it ain't over till it's over. We still have a lot of basketball left. This series was going to go to six or seven, anyways. We were going to have to lose two or three somewhere. Just treat it like that. We we still got this. I have faith. Uh,
5: um, thank you for that. I love I love the sentiment. I completely agree with the sentiment. Um, I think me and Jeremy did this on um, the pod. This uh, the last pod. I don't know. It's it's all run- there's so much content being produced. It's all running together. But there have been. I want to say four or five moments this season where it looked like things were going to go off the rails and whether it was the win in Boston Garden, um, you know, whether it was, you know, obviously the win in uh, against Memphis, you know, whether it was uh, the, the, the home stand at the end of the season, if you want to put that level of gravity on it or halftime of game two, like they keep responding. They keep figuring out a way to respond against all odds. I'm not, I'm not mailing in. The, I, I have not lost confidence either. So I, I
4: agree with you. Not only do I agree, I just want to say this is a good launching pad, Uh, so thank you. Um, What's crazy to me is the focus on Julius Randle's contract and how much money he's supposedly losing after three playoff games. And, look, I've I've written about about just scenarios in general, but I I just want to say in the sense of, like, the man who – the biggest factor who is not named Tom Thibodeau, who has gotten the Knicks here, the amount of – Criticism, look, it, it's warranted in the sense that he is not playing well, but it just seems crazy to me to talk about future earnings when a we're in the here now, uh, yep. or at least you know what he's losing or, or lack thereof or whatever. Um, but what we're talking about presently, and also again, like the reason that we are able to talk about Nick's playoff basketball is because of Julius Randle. Um, so again, it's not me excusing him; he, he's got to do better. Obviously, the the team season depends on him and lives and dies with him. But it just like to Think about the, it, it. It's like this existential crisis that comes out of it, where it's like, oh my god, you know, if Julius Randle's is going to keep playing like this forever, then then we should have treated him, or we should have, you know, we, we how can we think about him long term? It just, you know, p- I, people got to breathe. That's all. Yeah, I saw it, and I, I that's why I, I thank you for bringing it up Jonas because it was just kind of bothering me.
8: Yeah, well, no, time. I mean,
4: yeah, I, I
8: completely agree with everything you just said, but in saying that, I think we do all still have the right to be frustrated. Like I said, no, well, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I was at game one and I, Jeremy, you said you were at game two, right? I was at game one as well. Oh, you were at game one too. And I'm curious, I was, I was texting with some friends after that game and I'm curious if you picked up on this too. I personally thought they were going to go to Atlanta and play better because when they were in the garden, you can pick up on things that you don't necessarily pick up on through the TV. And one of the things I happened to like kind of pick up on was that they were trying so hard to win for the fans that they were adding pressure on their back. And when I thought that once they got out of the garden, that pressure would be lifted. And I don't know. Do you think that was a thing at all? I've been struggling I, going back and forth.
5: So I just want to point out there that they, unlike the last two games last night, they got off to a, a obviously a very good start. Uh, yes, it was mostly Rose. Um, but they, like, they had a one-point lead when Julius Randle came back in the game in the second quarter. And there were a couple moments there towards the end of the second where if, like, it was an open RJ3 that doesn't go down. It was a Taj Gibson putback that he hits 99 times out of 100.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
5: That he just, he missed the bunny. Like, give me just one of those early on. It helps stem the tide. Um, RJ on defense took, I, I, don't, I don't mean to pile on RJ, but he took a terrible route to the John Collins open three that I thought was a huge momentum shifter as well. Um, or momentum uh, enhancer. Uh, what do you want to say? Um, like like any of that stuff, and it was, and it was still a nine point. It could have been a, a it should have been a, a nine point game there at, at some point in the fourth with with time remaining. And and again, they couldn't have shot there too. So I agree with you to a certain extent. I just think you got to give credit to the Hawks' defense at the end of the day. So yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for for coming up, Jonas. This was this was fun as always.
2: Next up, Jeffrey. Welcome to the stage, sir.
3: Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, man? Uh, so, two things. First, offensively with RJ. And, I, and you know, I've I tweeted with Andrew before. I'm, I'm big on the thank God Elf is gone kind of thing. But I noticed last night, and it's kind of irked me since last night, is that RJ is not even touching the ball, really with the with the Rose group out there he's kind of just out there to set a screen and run to the corner when this guy his whole life has been a guy who had the ball in his hands and like during the season they had run that little pick and roll for him on the side yep on the right side and I didn't I I can't recall seeing that once last night
5: so um I thought about this before the series started because RJ again, people have heard this before if they've been in this locker room, but um, has been pretty bad from inside the arc, um, shooting-wise at least, for, you know, a little over a month now. I mean, I think he's shooting under 40% from two-point range. Um, And I questioned whether they would still commit to running some plays for him inside the arc, like you're referencing, um, moving forward, or was that the type of, like, listen we're trying to win games but we're also trying to develop our 20 year old you know cornerstone player um that but but that's a regular season thing and now in the postseason we're going to go with with the things that are more guaranteed what i think is the interesting point here is does rj need those possessions inside the arc to kind of get himself going from outside the arc because the fact that he's I mean not only that he's missing the uh, he's, he's he does not look great shooting these threes um, so I, do, I I don't know the answer to the question but I think it's uh I think it's a good point it's a valid point I, I just don't know the answer
3: yeah and that's why I brought it up only because I feel like those even though he's been off from inside the paint recently I feel like those at least he, he's touching the ball and maybe he gets a feel for it and I feel like now he's just essentially just staying there in the corner waiting to catch it. Now he just has to shoot, and that's all he's taught. That's the only time he ever touches it. Or if he gets a rebound and pushes on transition, that's literally the only time he ever touches the ball at this point. And and last night, you know, I know Bullock's been great for us throughout the whole season, stuff like that. But, you know, when you made this switch to Perot's, with that second unit, I don't understand the the Bullock out there with the second unit. I I mean, it's you, they're pulling RJ kind of early right now in the first quarter. Why not let RJ at least touch the ball a little bit with that second unit instead of Bullock being out
4: there? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Jeremy, what, what are your thoughts? I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, I was also confused as to why Bullock was essentially leading the team in minutes after the first half. I think he played 20 of the first 24. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of goes back to what we were saying in terms of making alterations. Like, this is not something that Bullock historically did. And it just seemed like you know fatigue maybe that could have been one of the factors potentially for the Hawks going on a twenty two to three run in that second quarter um, so yeah I, I i he's great in the role that he's given, but I think that when you give him more responsibility and more time, maybe it doesn't work out quite the way that uh that I think Tibbs might have thought it would have in this advantage but I agree. I mean, you know, Block didn't really have it going for him last night. Game two, second half was obviously much better. Uh, So I also was a little bit surprised for why RJ maybe didn't spend more time out there. Um, I agree with you, Jeffrey. It's confusing. I uh, I just just think think with
3: that second unit, this would be better for him.
5: Yeah, I I wonder if the move wouldn't be um, to pull – so if you inserted quickly for for RJ earlier, maybe midway through the second quarter, and you essentially ran, yeah, you ran you ran the, the first unit with with quickly in there, and I don't know when you want to put Taj in or whatever, and then at the beginning of the second quarter, um, put RJ back in for Bullock, then and then let RJ run with the second unit for, you know, whatever it is. I guess at that six minutes. So you're still getting RJ his six minutes of rest. It's just coming at the end of the first instead of the beginning of the second. Um, And and go with that. To me, that would be interesting. Um, And maybe they'll do it. Who who knows?
3: Yeah, I've kind of thought that all year that he should be playing a little bit with the second unit just to build his confidence and have the ball in his hands a little bit more because – and, you know, he, Randall's been great all year, but I mean, and RJ's been a decent second guy to him. But he, I feel like RJ's whole season has just been playing with Randall at all moments in time. He has never really been out there by himself. And I thought building confidence against second units throughout the season would have been a, a good way to do that, but they, he has not done that yet. Yep. at least. It's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. And defensively, I mean, like, like, like you know, you guys have said, like, they shot the shit out of the ball. And we still only put up 105 points. I mean, the only thing I'll say when it comes to Trey is, I mean, Julius has been a great, def- good defender this whole season, and and I know a lot of teams don't like to switch. You know, if you look at the Mav series, you know, every time Zubac gets switched onto Luka, it's it's an automatic bucket. But you know, I feel like our guys a little bit better defensively than that, and I would like to see them because they're not. Going to switch and throw the ball down into Capella for a bucket. Trey's going to try and go one on one, and and if I'm I kind of would be okay with him trying to go one on one on Randall or Noel or Taj and trying to throw up a shot over them, then coming off a pick and just having a free lane to either throw up a floater or throw up a lob. Yeah, I mean, I look, it, I'm I actually think they did a. Uh,
5: Decent job on Trey last night, um, because yeah, um, I
3: thought I thought they were better last night. So
5: yeah, um, you know he made like there was the one time Randall got switched on him and Randall like conceded a long mid ranger as you know, a, I, I, which I get like if and he, he's like okay if you're gonna if you're gonna hit a shot from eighteen feet, um, which he pulled up on a dime and he hit. Um, you know that's going to happen. He was—I mean, Trey. Th- th- how about this? Trey was one of two players in the Hawks lineup who shot under fifty. 50- he had the worst shooting percentage of any Hawks <laughs> last <best Yeah>. night, <laughs> which is which is insane. I mean, obviously that's not indicative of uh, uh, of his his play, but yeah, no. Um, continued adjustments. I'm all I'm all for them. Yeah, I would agree. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Thanks, Jeff.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Uh, next up, Mr. Justin Richards. Welcome to the stage, sir.
1: Hey, how's everyone doing today?
5: Oh, wonderful, Justin. (laughs) How are you?
1: Uh, Yeah, that sounded kind of stupid after I said it. Um, (laughs) No,
5: it's fine. I appreciate (laughs) it. It's it's a polite thing.
1: Yeah, no, I always, you know, I don't know. You know, it's crazy because on uh, when they play Wednesday or whatever, I was very much nervous, uh, obviously, down in the half because, like, they had to win this game. But after they lost uh, yesterday, I – I weirdly feel more confident but um I get to I guess I'll get to that in a second. My first kind of question is why was Frank in the game for like 10 seconds? Like what did anyone remember what he was trying to do?
5: Uh I think it was just because it was defensive possession at the end of the first quarter and they uh it was un- it was under 24 seconds when um the it, Atlanta was inbounding the ball but it didn't it, it didn't turn into anything because Bullock fouled uh, Young in the backcourt. So it ended up resulting in um, free throws, and then I forget. Did Frank even stay in the game for the offense? I think
1: possession? he took him out after that.
5: Yeah. So then he took him right out. But I think they've just figured it's the last possession. I mean, it's pretty clear right now that Tibbs does not feel like Frank Ntilikina is an offensive asset uh, to his team. Basically. Uh, yeah. So that's that's that.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'm going to uh, bring back up my old uh, topic that we've I brought this up before about uh, Ob at the five again. And um, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit um, before. And my question is, is it's not that – I understand why Tibbs wouldn't want to do that against Capella. But if you're looking at, like, how Atlanta's doing its rotations, they're not – they're kind of staggering Capella's minutes where, like, they'll play Capella, like, halfway through the first – Take him out, put in the, put in the, put in Gallo or whoever, or Kongu, oh and then put God. him, yeah, then put him back in, like to close out the second half, but a second quarter sure. or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't see a reason why, especially like I, I had you detailed in your, in your, um, in your article today, like they're shading their center and essentially putting either Bogey or Solomon Hill or whoever. On that big on their back, so it's hard for Randall to make that pass all the way over to Barrett, Bullock, whoever it is on the far yeah. corner. I th- I think there at this point, you're gonna have to give it a look, especially because the way he's playing on defense hasn't really been too terrible. Now, again, the counter to that is if Trey is in the game, you now are like. Oh, I have two guys to pick on in the pick and roll. I can pick Ob. I can pick Rant. So, you know, I understand like the downside to it, but I feel like that's like the last move on the chessboard that Tibbs might be able to move. Make.
5: I I'm um, I'm down for it. Um, I look, the spacing is. It would be easier if the spacing was better, or if they just had more guys that could like. Do stuff when they got the ball and like, look, we love Taj Gibson here, obviously, and and Noel got to the free throw line a bunch of times last night, which you know was worth noting. Um But Ob could just do more stuff. I just, I, I guess, more, I'm more wondering, would they go to that after not having done it all year? Is that too much? I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's one thing to put Rose into the starting lineup because he's played with these guys all year. But, I mean, how often has Top, I mean, has, has Toppen and Randall even been on the court together since – when's the last time they played together? I don't know. The,
1: the last time I remember them playing together, honestly, was game one. Was the very first game against the Pacers. He had him out there for, like, all of five minutes. I think it was in, like, the first half. I think he might have maybe did it a little bit in the second half. But outside of that game – and, I meant, and again, too, that was the, the next game, I believe, Obie was hurt.
5: Yeah, he, then, well, he got so hurt he, in game one. He got hurt yeah. in game one. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up right now. Jeremy, you have any you have any
4: thoughts? <laughs> I am also looking up to see how many minutes they've uh, shared during this time. Um, yeah, again, I mean, it'd be fun to try. I just don't know if that's kind of – if that's shying away too much. Um, it seems like the Knicks' complete MO has been basically pairing one of Randall and Obi with a rim runner who can defend the paint better. But I think the reality is that if, if Randall's shooting like he is – like, yeah, it, it certainly adds a, a level of um, – it, it adds a wrinkle of offense and shooting to it for sure. Um, but if Randall's able to space things out a little bit more, then it, it's a problem that I feel like doesn't really affect it. You know, like you don't necessarily need Obi to be in there if Randall's got it going.
1: Well, um, so Mike, not to cut you off, like my question is to that, that is like I understand his shooting has obviously been abysmal for this series. But – do you think his passing has been more of a concern? Because for me, it's like the reason why I think having Obi in there, it's like you essentially now have five guys, theoretically, who could do something with the ball, like actually shoot it and make it and all sort of stuff. Whereas like that double, I don't know if McMillan is still doing that same double if he knows on the backside, like, I have a lob. Like, if, if I, Bogey is on Obi's back, he's not stopping him from getting to the rim. You yeah, know, I, or, like, that. that that's just my thought of, like, all right, like, you. yes, defensively, will it be great? No, but you're, you're literally going to turn Randall into, like, I can now pass to anyone on the court.
5: I just want to see Randall with an unimpeded paint for – some possessions. That's the bigger thing to me. Um, just like simplify it to the point of like I'm gonna, let, you know, he's gonna be able to drive, and wherever the help is coming from, that's where he's gonna kick to, and then just try to, yeah. I mean, like you're saying, try to play five out. The answer, by the way, is they've played uh, according to NBA uh, stats uh, website, which I, again, I guess there's maybe some like overlap here because it's 24 games they've appeared together. But thirty nine minutes. So obviously an average of a minute and a half per appearance, or actually a little bit less than that. Um yeah, I look, is it worth a shot if they're I think they would have to be down. I think they would have to be down in the second half to go for it. Go but, you know, I'd be down. I'd be I'd be up for it. I, I just don't think they will.
1: Okay. Um but yeah, that was that was just that was just my take, so I'll let someone else come
2: up here. It's a good take, yeah. man. Justin, as always, man, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. All righty. Next up, Brian. Oh. Thanks
9: for coming up here. Welcome to the stage. Hey, thank you so much. A um, couple of things, you know. I think this twofold. It's Randall. If Randall and RJ were like, you know, both combined fifty points, and we were losing the series, I think people would be like, "Oh, Atlanta's just better," and I think because they've both been so bad, I think it's kind of hit a little bit of the, you know, foundation for the Knicks yeah. where you're like, ugh. Is, have we been overrating these players? Or maybe, uh it sucked. We were hoping that Randall was number one and now he's number two. Um,
5: I My thoughts on this are pretty simple. I think RJ is a 20-year-old who has had some really nice moments this year and specifically has emerged as a shooter. But I've been... You know, I've been pretty clear about it. I still think it's a process with him. Um, I don't think we're overrating him. I just think some people may have, like, (laughs) put the cart before the horse where he's concerned. I mean, he's going to be a very, very different player at 22 and 24 than he is right now. As far as Randall, I think, again, I'd really just like to see him on a team with another, like, a guy that he could really play off of. And I, I get that Rose is doing what he's doing. And, like, theoretically, Rose can be that guy. But I don't – I also don't know that Rose is – that's not really in his DNA, I don't think. I feel like Rose, you know, when he goes after it, he goes after it. He's kind of the alpha out there, right? Like, I, I don't I don't get the sense that the two-man Randall-Rose game has been um, ever something this season that we've been able to lean back on. Um, so before I make that, that statement about Randall, like we've overrated him, I just, I'd like to see him with someone who's
4: really, someone else who's really good with the ball. Um, Jeremy, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, looking at what Trey Young is doing as well, he's 22 years old, 23 in September. So it's the sort of thing. And and he's a primary option on offense. So when I look at RJ, this to me is, you know, like he's having the opportunity that Trey Young didn't even have in his second year, which is playoff exposure. So, Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to not have him kind of be relegated to more of a catch-and-shoot player who doesn't seem to be doing quite as much with the ball as he may have done in the regular season. But even to that uh, aspect, too, I mean, it feels like, you know, there are several reasons for why Randall is – it's not coming together for him. Um, But we've seen this before, especially last year, where he was just putting way too much pressure on himself. And I don't mean that as a way of saying, like, the Hawks aren't doing anything to – to neutralize what he's been able to do. They've been very effective. It's just, you know, this feels similar in the sense of he's forcing things. He's not letting the game come to him as much uh, as Jason said earlier. I mean, he's absolutely right. the Hesitancy, um, all of those things kind of tying together where it just, it feels like these guys are freezing up in their first experience. And the, the best player on the floor is the one who has the most experience in the playoffs and Derek Rose. So it's a learning curve. Um,
9: yeah, <laughs> I, I wish you were better, but it's not. Do you think, um, you know, if, if I told you OB was going to have a better series so far or make a kind of more of an impact than quickly, people would have been like, you're crazy. Do you think some assistant coach is pulling quickly aside and saying, listen, just shoot, like shoot just like you did in the regular season? Because there are some possessions where you're like, wow, he didn't shoot that. And all through the whole season, when he was three feet away from the three-point line and he was open, he'd shot it. And he, you could see him hesitate. He tried, and then he's like, now nah, I'm going to pass the ball. Do you think that he just needs to just at least three or four times, even if he's over four above three, just shoot it? Like someone's got to pull. I'm guaranteeing probably. What do you guys think? Someone's pulling him aside and be like, just shoot the ball. If
5: they're not, I hope they are. I hope they start now because um, this team is at its best when he's firing away. Um, I can't ever think of a game where I was like, "Wow, quickly, really need to stop shooting from three. That's never happened this year. So, um, yeah, I hope he, I, I hope someone's telling him to fire away.
2: All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah,
5: no, thank you, man. thank
2: you, Brian.